Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry. Hence, why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they get started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 42, we sit down with Daniel Cohen, who is a principal at Sona Energy Solutions. This was just a a cool episode. Always love talking with entrepreneurs and hearing about their journeys and what prompted them to start their companies initially. And that's what Daniel and I had the privilege to to get into today. We also cover new areas that Sona Sona Energy is exploring as it relates to solar and EV charging. I think that's a major trend that we've been noticing in the industry, and that's something that uh, Daniel and I spend some time on. And of course, we unpack his daily non-negotiables. Simple, but not always easy to implement. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This really is the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're one of those people who are streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. And we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation between Daniel and I. So let's drop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today we're sitting down with Daniel Cohen, who is the uh, principal at Sona Energy Solutions. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey Jim, thanks for having me. It's an honor. Oh, an honor. Uh, that's that's you're giving me too much too much credit here, but I am glad we made this happen, carved out some time, and in, in both of our schedules. So before we um, we get into Sona Energy Solutions and how you guys are plotting to take over the industry. Let's take a step back. Let's talk about uh, Daniel, you know, where you grew up and, and kind of how you got started in the industry. Sure, sure. So I grew up in a town called uh, Chelmsford, Massachusetts. Um, and, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to leave. So I went, to, went away to uni at uh, UMass Dartmouth, not too far. And then I, uh, as soon as that was finished, I, I ended up in New York City, uh, took a job. The first job that was offered to me from uh, Christie's uh, art, fine art auction house. And I worked in the finance department there, followed the controller to a diamond wholesale manufacturer. Uh, they had a couple of joint ventures that I helped manage and run uh, with Tiffany and company. And, uh, you know, fast forward eight years later, I uh, was expecting and had a second child with my wonderful wife. Uh, and we decided to start cutting costs and moving out of New York City was the low hanging fruit, take an industry term. So we, we re- relocated back up to, uh, to Chelmsford. So as soon as, soon as, uh, I wanted to leave, I'm, I'm back. So it's, it's pretty expensive in New York then? Is that uh, yeah. Just, yeah. Is, is I, that, I had, is that I had no clue. Yeah. I had no clue going in and, uh, found out, uh, rather quickly, uh, that that was the case. All right. So your background, it sounds like, so I heard diamonds and I heard finance. So how did you get into energy or lighting? Yeah. You know, it, it it's a good question. So in my, in my relocation, my, I reached out to through my network, which was really the first time that I had, had done so uh, on LinkedIn and a really good friend of mine from university, uh, JC Everett was, um, you know, constantly posting job openings that his, his father was in HR and looking for help. And uh, I just asked him if, you know, if he knew anything that was available and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm hiring actually, uh, you know, kind of a, a regional Eastern mass 
um, salesperson, you want to have a crack at it. And that was for a, a really a lighting maintenance electrical contractor, somewhat super regional, but really focused on on uh, the Northeast. So that was where I I first entered the market selling to you know facility managers in the Northeast. Shout out to JC Everett. I'm sure he's going to be listening to this one. I know he's a he, he's a big fan of the show. He is. He is. Yeah. All right. So so you were there, and and how long did you work with JC? Uh, so I, I was at Aetna for uh, just under six years, um, and he was a great uh, a great steward of um, really helping me learn how to sell. You know, with you mentioned finance and you know and diamonds. Really, I, I I didn't ever want to sell. At least that's what I told myself. And you know, I think what it really came down to was I I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I didn't know how to sell myself. And then JC really helped me, um, you know, figure out. A lot less so of what I what I want to do. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the industry and, and what I what I was doing, what I am doing now. You know, but he helped me, you know, kind of find a public speaking voice, how to prepare myself, and uh, you know, selling is really not that difficult um, at the end of the day when it's something that you believe in. And when I was in the diamond industry, when I was hanging out with my friends, I used to always say, I I don't believe in the product that we're selling, uh, but I know that it'll it'll will provide me with a job as long as I needed to. Yeah, all uh, for any anyone who's successful in life or business, it seems like all roads lead back to sales. You got to be yeah. able to sell, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, harking back to my childhood, my my father's been in sales and you know, kind of marketing sales, sells uh, corrugated packaging uh, hmm. to all kinds of industries, food and healthcare, and you know, most of his friends were his customers, and I really just didn't, I didn't want that to be the case, but. Uh, it's the case now, and it's it's who I enjoy spending time with, and and hanging out with, and shooting texts back and forth, back and forth with. So it's uh, it's not as as bad as I thought it was. Now, since your dad came from this profession, did he have a vision for you to get into sales? Because very few parents like expect or hope their kids are going to get into sales, right? That that's usually uh, not the the pipeline that you follow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he wanted me to sell. Corrugated packaging, oh, okay. just like right. ju- just just like him, and that's uh, right. probably one of the reasons why I wanted to get out of Massachusetts and Chelmsford so bad. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, I worked for for his plant doing some die cuts for um, you know the, the the foam inserts that would protect whatever package or whatever product would go into the packaging hmm. uh, for a couple couple summers, and um, quickly realized that was not for me. Yeah, that's the good part about part time gigs or internships is you find out what you don't want to do. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. So six years of that, no, you had a good run there, but it was time to take on a new challenge and start something different. So walk us through kind of your thought process. This is why I love having entrepreneurs on to kind of hear about why they started their companies and how it all happened. So walk us through the genesis of Sona and what you guys are up to today. Yeah. So, you know, we really started, my, my partner, Dave McSweeney and I uh, started Sona out of need. and. Um, you know, the need for me uh, was that I needed a job. I was let go from Aetna and, uh, you know, I needed to, to provide for my, uh, it was two children. Now it's three children and wife um, who does not work. So the need was, was there for me. Um, Dave was also looking for a change. Um, and the biggest need was that I had a really good customer base, national account customer base who needed projects to be installed. and that's kind of where, where we all started with. So, 
you know, the first, first year we're, we're really young and, you know, baby speak, we're only 23 months old, not, e- not even 23 months old. Um, next month will be next month on the 19th. We'll mark the anniversary of when we formed formally formed our, uh, our LLC. So, you know, the customer, the customer needs really trumped just about everything else. You know, I didn't, I, not that I didn't need to get a job, but I, I really wanted to be able to perform for the customer base. And I knew that what I was working on was, uh, was viable. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, to continue that work, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's great to, to be an eco warrior in theory, it's even better to actually be able to execute on, on some of that stuff. So I'm curious, you mentioned that you formed the company because, Hey, I needed a job. Well, for someone like you, I'm sure there's a lot of jobs out there. So, so why go the entrepreneurial path? Just to dig a little bit deeper here versus go be a salesperson for another company in the industry. Well, that's how uh, you and I first connected. Um, it was uh, January 2nd of 2019. Um, it was a Monday, as cliche as, as it could be. It was either a Monday or Tuesday, but I, I, you know, I put my foot down and I said, gosh, darn it, I'm, I'm going to go find another job. I need a change. Yeah, and yeah. and you, you had done a great job and hooked me up with some really good interviews. And uh, I was told that I was the right candidate, but it was going to be for, for one company in particular, it was going to be six to 12 months before they could onboard me due to some, you know, how project based work is. You don't exactly know when funding is going to come through. Sure. So, so let's see, that was right around March 15th um, was when I got let go. And uh, I put a post up on LinkedIn and, and that kind of forced their hand in, in fast tracking it. But I was, I was pretty set at that point on um, on going the entrepreneurial route. There you go. All right. Now, two years later, Sona Energy. Talk, talk to us about some of the, the pro- types of projects. I know you guys do a lot of lighting, but walk us through some of the um, vertical markets or types of projects that you guys are pursuing today. You know, the, the lighting space on the national account retail side definitely seems to be turning into a commodity faster than mm. I think most people would like it to be, which, you know, drives down profits, um, you know, kind of allows more competition, which can be good. Um, it's also, you know, it's forcing other types of verticals to be, you know, to be sought after, you know, in the, in the first year we wanted to just prove that we could, um, you know, go to market. And that was the first nine months. Our first fiscal is, you know, lined up with the calendar year. So our first year, you know, we, we, did enough to make a living. And I think we surprised some of our customers. And then, uh, you know, last year, uh, you know, we were really focused on just, just growing and proving that we can provide a rollout on a, on a larger scale. Uh, and, and we did so, so it was, it was great. Um, in terms of some of the other markets we're touching, you know, we've, we've worked on EV, EV installs in the past. We are, uh, trying to, to, work on trying to roll through a, um, a 1.5 meg, uh, solar project at a commercial space. It's slow, but I I think that's expected on a project that large. Um, especially with this being the first time that we've done, um, you know, solar, you know, period. So it's, uh, it's certainly a learning, learning process, but, uh, yeah, in terms of, in terms of, uh, different verticals, I mean, uh, you know, our, our, I think our goal is, similar to a lot of escos which is you want to you know really widen your offerings with each customer and you know i think each customer once they have a a 
a good salesperson, you know, confidant, so to say, uh, you know, they're, they're going to look to them for solutions. And I, I don't see, you know, lighting's great, but it's, like I said, it's, it's becoming much, much more commoditized. So uh, anything electrified and in the efficiency kind of realm is where we want to position ourselves and, and continue to move in that direction. Yeah, and that lines up with what we're hearing in the market too. You know, a lot of companies out there that maybe they traditionally have done lighting in the past, like, hey, we got to diversify, we got to do something a little bit different. And we are hearing more and more EV charging and solar. I mean, it's a natural play, right? It's electrical. It's going to tie into you know the trade personnel that you have on site anyway. So that that absolutely makes sense. And and that'd be a good way to transition to, you know, if you project out look into the future, you mentioned EV, mentioned solar, but five, 10, 15 years from now, where do you see the industry heading? I, I, that's a good question. No, um, no again, easy I, questions on the building efficiency podcast. I'm going to make you think. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know you gave me the, the warm up questions, but I, I, I thought more so about the five year plan, less the 10 and 15 years. Yeah, sure. Plan. Answer it from five. Yeah. I, again, I, I think the, the five year plan ties into my last answer, just the, of, okay. uh, you know, kind of moving more, uh, more vertical and, and, or is it the opposite? I, I don't know if it's what, you know, widening is less vertical. But you know, just horizontal. Sure, parallel, I guess, or perpendicular. Um, but just the, the the need for for ESCOs to, you know, provide service offerings outside of where they typically lie. Uh, you know, I see everybody. I've I've been hearing for, um, you know, living in in Massachusetts. I've heard since I started in the industry that lighting rebates are going to continually drop, and Every year, uh, it's kind of been the case, but it it hasn't necessarily been the case. And I, I think that you know, depending on the regions of, of where you live and where you're doing projects, you know, it may, it may shift in terms of what your offerings need to be and and what your customers are looking for from a service standpoint. Um, but yeah, I mean, H, HVAC. Everybody's saying HVAC is the the next thing, um, but again, that's something I've been hearing for eight years. Uh, I know COVID is certainly. Um, moving the needle there. The Mass Save program, I sat in on a on their annual webinar. Well, it's usually an in-person, but due to COVID, it was a webinar this year. You know, they they pointed to the fact that HVAC is about 50 to 60 percent of a of a building's um uh, energy usage. So, you know, that where where lighting has been the low-hanging fruit, you know, it's hard to it's hard to look past something that takes up 50, 60 percent of of energy in in a single space. Yeah. And that's another theme on the show here so far especially over the last few months and even dating back to last year, indoor air quality as it relates to HVAC. I think that's going to continue to be a major trend here. So, so good. All right. So I mentioned at the early part of the show, you guys are plotting to take over the the industry here. So it sounds like you're well on your way. Now let's, uh, what I wanted to do here was just transition to the last part of the show. Last four questions that I asked it to every guest who comes on, wanted to start off here and ask you, what are your daily non-negotiables? Yeah, well, th- thanks for the vote of confidence in us taking the industry over. I appreciate that. Well, once um, we get this podcast out there, then it'll just exponentially grow this plan. That's what I've that's what I've been told. At least. Yes, um, and, and not by just you, by other people. Um, <laughs> daily non negotiables. You know, I think I think I'll I'll keep it relatively simple, but it's you know it's kind of the golden rule: do un- do unto others. Um, I've worked for you know some good organizations in the past. Uh, but not always with um, with uh, leaders that I want to follow. 
So I want to make sure that I am doing right by, you know, really whoever I come across, whether it's, you know, friend or foe, I, I want to be treated the way that, uh, I, I want to treat people with the way I want to be treated. And I, and I, um, you know, that's been something that's been drilled into my head by my parents. And, uh, you know, I'd like to continue that, you know, that kind of mantra and, uh, and just do, do it, do right by as many people as I can. Um, if not everybody and, uh, you know, communication is, is key in that, that effort. So as long as there's uh, you know, open communication, I think that should be, uh, an easy non-negotiable to accomplish. The golden rule, simple, but doesn't mean it's easy, right? The best, the best advice, the simplest to comprehend, but sometimes the most difficult to implement, right? Yeah. And, you know, you see that, you see that across, well, you know, large organizations and I've, I've worked, you know, with Christie's was a huge organization. Um, well, not huge, but 2000 people, uh, but scattered across the world. And it, you know, somebody, somebody sitting in the desk next to you, um, doesn't do a good job communicating, then there can be, there can be major issues that, that lie behind that and, uh, and, you know, some ill will potentially. So it's, it's, like I said, that communication key is key. And, uh, you know, as long as you can do a good job of communicating to people, then you should, you should be able, I should be able to live up to that, uh, that daily non-negotiable. Yeah. I think the other piece that you mentioned there that, uh, that caught my ear was you mentioned leaders that you didn't always want to follow. And I started thinking leaders need followers. So they're probably not leaders and people don't want to follow them. So that was, that was an interesting mention there. So, so let's, uh, transition here. What advice would you give to your 22 year old self? I would, I would just reinforce, uh, again, you know, bringing my parents back into it, what, what they taught me, which was, um, you know, really make yourself invaluable to the organization. And that, you know, that really, for me, it translated, uh, very early on, um, you know, on the playground, I would be the, uh, you know, the umpire when kids were playing baseball, because, uh, you know, while I wanted to play short or second or center field, so did, you know, 45 other kids, but no one wanted to be the umpire. Uh, so I'd, I'd, you know, help the organization, uh, by stepping in and, and, you know, being a part of every rep, which was great. Uh, similarly in, in soccer, you know, no one wanted to play goalie. I'll, I'll play goalie. Why not? So it's, 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 tr it's transitioned. It's, it's stuck with me, um, you know, throughout my professional career in, you know, in 20, uh, 2008 and the, the, when the downturn started to happen, our, the diamond company I was working for started to go through some transition and, you know, we cut our staff from, it was a small org in New York, in the New York office. We went from 16 down to eight. And, um, you know, I always, I was kind of knew that I'd be okay because I would do what other people didn't necessarily want to do. So I would just make sure that I would just reinforce that to my, my younger self. Yeah. Becoming indispensable. There's a lot of, a lot of value in that. Yeah. Following this same theme here, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah. I mean, my, my family, uh, certainly first and foremost, and then again, you know, from a professional standpoint, just to, to be able to execute for our customers and our vendors. And then, uh, I think lastly, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm having fun, uh, on every day, which, uh, would also kind of tie into your daily non-negotiables. Yeah. Again, really, really simple, but not always, uh, not always easy to implement, but that's uh, good advice there. So what do you want your lasting legacy to be? Oh, my lasting legacy. I, again, I, I would like to be, you know, on, on the right side of history. I want to be, uh, I'd, I'd like to be looked at as somebody who, um, again, you know, did 
did the right thing by the people that came across my path in, in life, whether that's in, in sport, fr- family, friends, in business. Uh, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, the, the most important thing to me is just to make sure that I'm the best that I can be. For sure. I think that's a great way to, uh, to wrap up the show here. So Daniel, thanks for the time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate it. All right. All right, there you have it. Episode 42 with Daniel Cohen. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. Now, we hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing that I would add, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. And until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.